condition, my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. Him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I told my mind... On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. Well, I want to thank Snacks and Jacks. I'm going to have Greg Pappas on the board for a second. Matt Burn will be here, and Greg will come in and grab the other spot. He's very ambidextrous, this guy. Is that what they know is? it. Ambidextrous. That's uh. Good with both hands. Um, as Mark was to say, it means he can strike out from either side of the plate. <laughs> 300 average. Yeah, it's 300 so average. Bad. Not so bad, no. Like another young Mickey Mantle, just a young Mickey Mantle, you know. Ian Happ, Mickey Mantle, what's the difference? Uh, anyway, we've got the market up a little bit. It was down last night, down 10. The market is... Uh, right bouncing around like a fart in a skillet. Yeah, no, it's, it's, like, it's like it's confused. It's uh, August has been uh, down a little bit. Uh, you're... Big stocks, the big stocks that were leading us have now gone the other way a little bit. NVIDIA had a big hit day on Friday. It was pushing down toward 400. Let me see where the hell it got up to. Uh, and we got some people that are not real happy with that. I'm going to say it topped out, uh, where do I have it? Uh, 474. So it's down 66 points. That's kind of a lot since uh, 718 wasn't that long ago. Um, so yeah, it's a had some some movement in the market, even though the market itself is not moving all that much. Uh, but the trend is, we've got a lot of rallies that we're sold into, which is uh, <coughs> somewhat the other way around. And Friday we had probably four or five times where people wanted to buy the dip and uh, never really never really got moving. So there's been a slight tone change. Uh, you know, you can turn turn back the other way, of course, easily. Uh, so that's you know, so that's not not an issue, but. You do, uh, you do have to wonder, some of the bellwethers are, are not so hot. One of them, I do a lot of, um, we have a lot of clients that have UPS at our place, and God's sake, the thing's down from a couple of years, down from 208 to 176. No inflation there, huh? No. It's, uh, but, I mean, it's, it, it, you read reports, and the thing that is, uh, I, don't, I don't know how much people influence people, uh, uh, Greg, but it's it is really it's it's people have this idea that in nominal numbers the stock market is always going to be up because the Fed's always going to make it up no matter what the problems are, and you just you just that attitude just somehow or another it just well as long as you me. can stomach the downturns. Well, yeah, but I'm sitting here uh, now. We're talking about China's economy now. 
I, I'm not about to say that if China has trouble, it's going to take the U.S. down. I mean, that's just, I don't think that's necessarily true. But I also know that for how many years, all you had to do is sit on TV and talk about China, China, China. China, China was like, uh, it was like freaking AI, for God's sake. I mean, it was like, uh, if, if you got on and said, geez, uh, PTI Securities doing stuff in China, China, even though, even though we're not public, people be calling up, how do I buy some? I mean, it, it was, it was... It was it was click-throughs, it was China, it was cloud, and now it's AI. You know, it's like, but China, if you were doing stuff in China, your stock went up. If you are buying stuff over there, now all of a sudden these guys are having big trouble. And, and yet, you know, I don't see how it's not as at least as much problem as it was glee. Was, it, was that the right term? Glee, on the way up. Because now I'm looking here, these guys are talking about this this property market over there is something like any nobody's ever seen. I mean, this outfit... Uh, uh, well, it says here China's economy is running into more challenges. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they they have uh, demographic problems. They got banking problems. They got real estate problems. Like, but they've got know, this outfit. Whatever. It's just. Well, we'll have to ask Dan about these guys. Developer Country Garden announced over the weekend it was suspending trading in at least ten of its mainland China traded yuan bonds. Ten. These guys, you know, I mean, I mean, you, we wouldn't buy them anyway, so it doesn't really matter. You know what? People here did. That's that's. The, I mean, not, not so much those, Who? but remember the. Who? Remember how many years ago they would. These be, people are sophisticated investors, oh yeah. I'm sure. Well, so. you know, I, you know, I think it's big over there is BlackRock. Well, too bad, so sad. Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, because there's there's two groups here. There's the now these I don't I'm not I'm going to say without knowing without knowing anything I'm going to say something anyway. I would say that the. Uh, um, the one that the mainland China traded yuan bonds. I'm gonna hope and guess that other people are not too far involved because it was really hard, I think, to turn the dollars into yuan and buy those things. I mean, however, Country Gardens U.S. dollar bonds account for just under half of the high yield U.S. dollar denominated bonds, according to Goldman Sachs. So that those are the ones I'm worried about: the dollar and euro denominated bonds. So. If these guys account for, I mean, uh, how many? How much is that? I mean, uh, maybe uh, it's you know what kind of what, what are we talking this? about? The MSCI BlackRock, yeah, uh, four hundred and twenty-nine million. Yeah, China U.S. dollar bonds that are of investment grade account for forty-three percent of the total. Uh, given that the majority of high-yield developers have either defaulted or conducted bond exchanges, whatever that is, we believe rising stresses among the remaining high-yield developers are unlikely to broad impact. Unlikely to broader income in the offshore bond market. How, how could people lose all that money? And I oh, BlackRock was investing in the blacklisted yeah. names. Oh, yeah. so yeah. the MSCI China A index. You know, it's <laughs> too bad for them. You know, well, you wanted, but, but how much is it? Everything of it is though. Great. Uh, every dollar that somebody spends, you get a, a great example of this last week. It's it's really hard to add to pour something in the top of the pool. When you do that, I mean, at the end of the day, one of the, one of the economists I forget which one it was, it was which school I was in, uh, said at the end of the day, the economic wealth, the wealth of a, of a country, is basically its stuff and its human capital. Human capital being I mean, its people, their education, their skill set, and the stuff you have. Your cars, your bridges, your houses, your TV sets, whatever it is, your clothes. Thirty-seven hundred st- nuclear warheads yeah. and a well, yeah, giant navy. Yeah, well, that's your stuff. Yeah. Okay. At, at the end it's of the, the day, the only stuff that matters. So you can't. 
you can't just manufacture it by throwing more money out. Okay, so so you know more than anybody because you you know come family from is in the restaurant business. There I was Wednesday night having a uh, adult beverage with my friend from the hood and uh, my lawyer buddy. So it's the night that normally Judge Tillman would have held court, but since his funeral's tomorrow, he wasn't there. Funny how that works, huh? Uh, so death and taxes. Yeah, we, we walk into the Tripoli and it's pretty crowded. All of a sudden, twenty minutes later. Bill and I sitting there. Mm. Well, three quarters of the crowd went to see Bruce Springsteen, and the other quarter went to the Salt Shed. They had somebody there who was supposed to be pretty good. But you know, that place is nice. I mean, I oh, I've been there. It's awesome. And uh, so, what what does that mean? So there's there's this dollar that's spent at Wrigley instead of the Tripoli. I'm not saying that that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that it's only gets spent once, right? It's 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 known in economics as a dollar vote. I mean, if, if somebody spends $100 at series tomorrow night, he's probably not stopping at O'Neill's, right? Or if you go to O'Neill's, it's, it's all, you can only spend it one place. The, the idea that, you can, that people can go out and just spend on, like, a credit card and stuff and create stuff, it, it, you can't create it, right? Eventually, you've got to pay for it. And, it, and, the, and the pay for it is making real things. I mean, it's not like it can't be software or other stuff. It doesn't have to be a, a metal. Right. But, it, but there's only this idea that we somehow we'll just, we'll just pop it out of the air or out of the printing press can't think that way i mean i, I well we can do it um, what 2 billion dollars or 2 trillion at a time in yeah. terms of the every year yeah so just, just so here we go federal student loan payments are coming back and they're going to wreak havoc on borrowers budgets interest accruals resume on september 1st and payments will be due in october for the first time in over 3 years but over half the borrowers say they'll be forced to choose between making their loan payment or covering necessities like rent and groceries when the pandemic forbearance ends, according to a new survey. Well, the $286 a month, it's average. Why does anybody think for a second that it's not going to come out of something? Maybe it's just savings. Maybe somebody was pouring $300 a month in their savings account and I won't be able to do it. But the $280, whatever you go home with, you got something. If it's ten grand a month, hundred grand a month, two grand a month, twenty cents a month, you got something. How do you how do you think how does anybody write write an article that doesn't say the two hundred eighty six dollars has to come from somewhere else? And it does. Magic doesn't. money tree. Yeah, a magic the money tree. Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve. Except not all not all people get it. Some people do, but not not others. But um, so what do you think of this this far right libertarian dude winning down in Argentina? He wants to abolish the central bank and dollarize the economy. That Peter Schiff has been saying that a long time, right? He moved to Puerto Rico and. Said that he's down there with Doctor J. Puerto right. Rico. Yeah, that must be quite a quite a gaggle of people sitting down there thinking they know how to solve the world, but but they got to move to Puerto Rico because they can't afford to pay taxes. But they're going to tell everybody else what to do. I think it's like four percent or something if you get the right workaround. Um, you don't pay federal taxes. You, yeah, I mean, there probably is a tax in Puerto Rico. I don't know, but allegedly you don't pay U.S. income taxes. Right. Some somewhere around, I think. Can you imagine sitting in a bar with those guys? One of them thinks he's smarter than the next. I think it would be fun. I'm more of a listener, though. Yeah, you're more of a lurker kind of listener guy. Lur- I like the term lurker for you. <laughs> lurker. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I like that one. He, he's, there he is, lurking in the corner. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with listener. <laughs> you know, like lurker. Lurker has some of, some of the negative connotations. <laughs> I think I'm a creep. <laughs> I didn't say that. You said he's lurking. Yeah. <laughs> so why is that guy? Why? Of course, in the old days, people just watch. Now you're worried about you pulling out your phone and taking a picture or something. The Anywho, the uh, so the Cubs uh, could have got a little help from the White Sox. They did not. 
How about them bears? Yeah, well, I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't, didn't watch any either. <laughs> I think uh, Fields is what three for three hundred and forty yards or something. Well, he had two screen passes, one for touchdowns. Yeah, he had a perfect Q- uh, QB rating. Well, sell high is my opinion. I, I, I'm going to say that uh, they're going to be a huge improvement over last year. At least they got a couple of linemen. I am taking zero bears in my fantasy team. Uh, well, that's that's impossible. Unless unless there's like a you know eighth round Justin Fields or or no that's he's not even going to make that like it's yeah no thanks. I'm what about the uh, the kicker's good since they can't get it in the end zone. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll do the kicker as a. What about the defense? What, what, which which defense do people want to get? Uh, defense, you get one. And one why, defense. Why, their defense is usually pretty opportunistic. Yeah, if you can force fumbles, it's usually worth it. Um, fumble is a forced fumble is like two points. Now, so. what's the difference between? I use the term the uh, the regular fantasy football, and the one that like Thomas was in, which was like I'm going to say over the top fantasy football. You actually draft defensive players, and the draft lasts like eight hours. Uh, yeah, there's different ways. The two biggest are the regular fantasy football way, where you draft once in the once in the beginning of the season. You kind of manage your team and adjust your team with trades and, and stuff. Many, you get, and the you, other type, but you get one one defense and one kicker, right? Yeah, one defense, one or defense and special teams are combined, and uh, then you get your kicker, and they're usually good for you know ten ten points a piece or so, or fifteen points a piece. Which is just like another player. What was the one Thomas was in where you actually draft the defensive guys for fumbles, interceptions, and tackles, and all that stuff, sacks? Yeah, that's that's a little bit more advanced. But the two main ones are your standard leagues and then daily fantasy, which is you're redrafting every week. So instead of having one event where your friends and whoever in, that you can bet on one time, you've got stuff, uh, a draft the next week where they assign values to each of the players based on what's happened during the week and you get to redraft every week so you get you get into those um daily fantasy games and what's it called uh draft kings and FanDuel. but now those guys they, they do all the scoring for you right if you they do all them. the scoring they do everything all you got to do is draft but how, what, what do they charge 10 to 15 percent vig they never lose Right, so uh, so I mean, so if it's if it's a five hour pool, they'll still do it for you. Yeah, they do it. You know, you can bet twelve cents on something and do like, you know, five hundred of them if you really want. <laughs> oh, so you just go online and you uh, you go online, you sign up, and you know, good on you because you can do as much or as little as you want, or as, as much as your account, as much as you put in the account. But I mean, if you, if we got ten guys I'm sure together, there's a way to wash money. Ten, ten people together. How do, how do we enter DraftKings? We just put everybody's name down there, everybody's team? Well, every individual signs up, and then you organize via your username, kind of like you would do on Yahoo. Or Imagine if you had your your messaging system and trading account like an oh, IB yeah. where you could, yeah. you could just bet on your, your so they trading know that, account. So they know that these 10 guys are in this group, and then they score to 10 guys. Exactly. All right. And they charge? 10%. But how do they know how much you're betting? Oh, they, because you have to deposit and then you have to confirm a couple times when you click it. No, no, I'm saying, how do, you say we're, we're all we're all we're all contributing a hundred bucks. How do they know it's not ten thousand? Is that three more zeros on it? They don't know that. They just see what flows through the 
the website. Oh, all right, so they actually are doing the payments from people. Oh, yeah. Now, the ones here, they don't. People just pay each other. The ones that, I mean, some of the pools that I know of here. Yeah, they. I mean, you can do it on the side, but they they offer you, it's like a degenerate gambler's dream. They, they offer to do everything. Oh, okay. Including the payments, including p- playing against, you know, other random random. Oh, players. so you can just sign up and play against anybody. You, you know, oh, yeah. Okay, so I could just say... I want to be in a pool, and they'll say how much. You want and they to say how much, and what kind of pool, what, what everything. All right, fair enough. Yeah. So, you know, am I, am I deprived by not knowing all this stuff? <laughs> I think I think it's just a. I'd rather focus on you know fun stuff. Why can't like, we just go back and like deer earnings this week or yeah, something? Why can't we just go back and bet uh, horses like we used to? Nah. Well, you know, at least you got to go out there. You used to get, used to get twenty thousand people I mean, at Sportsman's Park. Yeah. Now we got online trading, online. Um, yeah. It's uh, my my stepfather went to the entire meet one summer. I don't know how many nights it was. He went That's every a single, lot. Went every single night. And being the accountant that he was, he kept track of everything he spent and everything he bet, including beers and parking and and uh, tout sheets and the whole bit. And he ended up. If you break even, you're good. He made ten bucks. Free, free so entertainment. He thought, he thought that was absolutely spectacular. It was, yeah. <laughs> especially considering you're paying fifteen or ten percent to the track just to be there. Well, but in, in, in parimutuel betting, though, you all you have to do is beat the other people, right? Oh, so they just make money on concessions and no, no, no. I'm saying, but if, if you actually know something, I mean, you know, they they don't care who wins. They just want the action. Yeah, they just want the action. It's, it's like playing poker in Vegas. And that, you, you can win at poker. They don't care who wins. All they know is they get their percentage, two or three percent, or whatever it is. Yeah. So but they, they don't care if you win, right? You, you're, you're playing against the other people. They want you to come back, bring well, your friends. No, they don't. They don't care if the guy loses or the girl loses. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a different game because they they don't take they don't take. Uh, it's not like they don't care who wins. Well, um, sports betting the same thing. They get ten percent. They don't care who wins or loses. I mean, if you, you could win every game, right? They don't care. They just get t- <laughs> the loser just loses more as well. It's, you know, it's all interesting. That's why the the uh, like some of the games they play with these instant lottos and stuff. We had uh, somebody who was on. God, Kathy got this dude on. Had to be God six seven years ago. Love to get him back. He wrote a, he wrote a book about the the lottery and how crooked it is. Yeah, but, I mean the regular the regular never would have guessed. Well, but, <laughs> well, but I, I I was stunned. I mean, I I don't, I'd only played. The guy, the guy who lived two doors down from us, Darwin Park, he was one of the original guys that ran the lottery. Real nice guy. He's got to be long gone, but he... God, it goes back to... I was in, was I in high school, college, when the lottery started? It was a long, long time ago. And, of course, you had to do it because there was... A, what was this, the numbers game in the street? You know, so they ran, like, a lottery in these neighborhoods. Well, we got we got to compete against those guys. Of course, the street odds were better, right? <laughs> I think the lottery pays... The, the regular lotto... Would you know the stuff you just? I think they pay, they pay out forty or forty-five percent. Horse race, horse racing paid out eighty-five percent. Yeah. You know, so you're way better the off government. playing horses than yeah. you are. Well, I mean, they, the, the the government got. Uh, I think the the, the uh, well, I used to know all that stuff. I think the the, the track got eleven percent, and the government got four, or was it five and ten or something? And out of the eleven percent, had to come the prize money and all the other stuff, maintenance of the track and everything. The state got like four or five for doing nothing. But now in the lottery. Like a regular lotto, if if everybody won, if somebody won every week, they'd pay out forty five percent of the nut. I think it's forty two, somewhere in the forty, so way worse than the track. Wow. And uh, but then they would, um, but this guy came in and was talking about how 
in the instant games, which I, you know, I, I think those things are so scary. I, you go in there, you know, the big spools. No, I don't know this. I just <laughs> well, you try to stay away from I this know, But if you go into the place, like on Van Buren or anywhere you go, a gas station or whatever, usually it's somebody who has no idea what the odds are, right? And is incapable of, of, of so they don't know what they're buying anyway. But that, some of those spools are like 30 bucks. With the Myers, I, where, I get, where I get coffee every morning, they start at, I think they start at five. These are all instant scratch cups, and, and they go all the way up five, seven, fifteen, twenty. And then the top, I think the top one's thirty. Well, what this guy was saying, now these things, say you put out a hundred thousand tickets, pick a number, for the for one of the pools, the twenty dollar pool, and say there's there's five hundred thousand dollar winners in there or something, or not even five, because well five, t- uh, well if it's twenty bucks times a hundred thousand, you're talking what two million. Going in the thing totally. Now you get various prizes, and say you've got five of the hundred thousand dollar ones that are the big winners. According to this guy, if if all five come out in like the first twenty percent of the ticket, they continue to to sell the rest of the eighty, saying that there's a hundred thousand dollar prize there when they know they've already been paid out. Oh, very nice. Or, which is even worse, if they go through like eighty percent of the tickets and only one of the big winners has has been won. They pull the game. <laughs> they pull the game. Yeah. Ah, because they're they don't always go. To, they don't always go to the end. All of a sudden, they go. Wait a minute. We 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 sold eighty to eighty five percent of these tickets. We only paid out one hundred thousand. Why should we sell the other fifteen? We know there's four big winners in there. Wow. So it's way more crooked, according to this guy, than Yikes. the regular old lotto. Now, the only thing about the lotto is, if you, at some point, if it gets over you know, whatever. Well, there's some number which is 10, 15, 20 million. Even though your right, where the ex- well, your ads are, are are lousy, they're still lousy. But that week, the expected value yeah, can yeah, go past one. It so can go past why one. not try it? Yeah, because that particular week they're going to pay out a boatload more than they took in that week because you've already got all the other schmucks' money. And part of those schmucks' money is mine because I've been betting two bucks a week on a lot of since it went over ten mil. So some of that money is my schmuck money. Mm-hmm. Same, you know. It's a it's a thrill. It's a th- well, it's, it's not a thrill. It's, it's it's a dream. There's a place. There used to be a convenience store right where we used to live, 87th Street, 87th in like Francisco. There's been a laundry mat there forever. Uh, neighborhood used to be St. Thomas More and Evergreen Park. No, it's still a nice neighborhood, but not you know it's changed quite a bit. Uh, like St. Thomas More, school closed, neighborhoods all changed. So this convenience store, even though it still says convenience store. I'm not so sure you can buy anything. Maybe you can buy like a Coke or water or something. The whole thing is they've, they've had more winners there than like any place. Evidently, you go in there and there's big tables set down for all the people who pick their own numbers. So you can oh sit down and gosh. write down and, and fill them all out yourself. Yay. Have you ever picked your own numbers? I mean, I, I know people use the... Bur- Did you hear a story about the uh, the family that, that gave somebody the, the money for the tickets and they were going to use everybody's birthday? And they won like every number but one and they... So they still want some money, but they would have won the big one, the big one. But the guy forgot like his mother's birthday, put the wrong wrong number in. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> it'd, it'd be to put the right number in. They'd have, they'd have won the, the whole shebang. And <laughs> to say they were pissed at him. <laughs> Whoops! This is the world we live in, Greg. And there, <laughs> is it get funny enough or what? Yikes! That's yeah. It's a double insult. Not only did you win. Hundred million dollars. Yeah, you, you also <laughs> forgot your mom's birthday. Yes. Pissed her off. <laughs> Pissed her off even more. Let's be futures up ten. As if he's up fifty one. By the way, I made it home last night from Orland uh, later than normal because I had dinner with a client. It was a lot of fun. And uh, 
but I only had three, four guys go by me at 100 and some miles an hour last night. Oh. Did you hear about the guy uh, Sunday morning on the Eisenhower? I heard about Clark and Division last night. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that when Jack comes down. But the uh, this guy's flying down the Eisenhower. I'm going to say, what do you figure you guess, 100 miles an hour? He's, he, he had to change lanes. I'm sure somebody in front of him was only going 70, the, the nerve of that guy. He changes lanes, sideswipes the guy in the, in the second lane, whacks the guy in the third lane, does something to the guy in the fourth lane. The car flips over, and some poor guy was on the shoulder of the road because his car broke down. His car flips, lands on top of the guy's car and kills him. On top of the car? Or, something, or on top of the guy or on top of the car or something, the guy's D.E.D. dead. Oh, no. Now, that's, now, you know it's not your night. First your car breaks down and somebody else's car lands on your head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, what are we doing? And yet, we'll have, how many policemen will show up afterward to investigate? Where were they before? Mm. I, I mean, how do you get 10 squad cars out of nowhere when, when you could ride these expressways all night long and never see anybody? Anyway, SP yeah. Futures up 9, NASA Futures up 40. we got a new police chief, though. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Have a few drinks and, you know, drive home. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, I'm Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Byrne on the board. We have Greg Pappas in the studio, and I assume we have Mr. John Flanagan on Zoom. If you can figure out where he's Zoom this week. SB <laughs> Features up 8, and SB Features up 41. Well, we were down 10 last night and down a bunch in the NASDAQ, but now we're coming back this morning. We'll see if this holds. We've been up, down, up, down. 
in a couple of days we've been seemingly uh, closed pretty much unchanged, uh, Greg, but that didn't tell the story of the day, did it? There were plenty of times to make money and lose money during the day. The in, in, intraday volatility has been higher than, than uh, the interday lately. How's that for a nice way of saying that? DAX up 62.4%, FTSE down 28.4%, Kakaron up 11.1%. So we're going to say the bulls have it over in Europe, but barely. Uh, Friday, Dow was up 105, S&P down 5, NASDAQ unchanged, unchanged. Over in Asia, Nikkei down 413, that's 1.3%. Uh, they were up on Friday and, uh, in anticipation of us being up, and then we weren't. Uh, Hang Seng, now this, ouch on this one, down 301, 1.6%. Um, as Country Garden, which is one of the biggest developers over there, has decided they're not, they, they suspended trading on 10 of their bonds. So I guess they're not paying interest if they're not even trading. Uh, Shanghai down 11 points, 0.3%. They're not doing as bad as Hang Seng. I'm guessing these things must, must trade on the Hang Seng. Uh, what do you think, Greg? I'm sort of thinking here. Ten-year rate down one basis point, but still 4.15. It was up on Friday, pretty heavy. One down one to 2.61. Japan up three basis points, 0.62. As the uh, the Japanese yen continues uh, to, to sink against the dollar, and we're thinking the Japanese government's about to. Well, if their interest rates are 0.6 and ours are 4.1. I would think that more people want to have the dollar. Well, don't you, Greg? This is not that. This is not brain cell uh, surgery. Brain surgery. No. Oil, rocket uh, surgery. The rockets. Rocket, brain cell surgery. Brain cell surgery. <laughs> there you go. Matt, Matt doesn't weigh with the words, does he? He's kind uh, of a wordsmith sort of dude. He and Mr. Flynn. It's better than lurker. Yeah. And, me and Dr. John, yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't like being, being referred I to as like a lurker. Not, not, don't, don't want to be a lurker. <laughs> no. No, no, he likes to be a lurker. Rather be a creep than a lurker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. That, I didn't know it was that bad. Oh, well, that one, 33 cents, 82.86. But there's oh, up there. By the way, gas is, uh, what the hell did I pay? 4.59 yesterday? Mm -hmm. I, only, I only got half a tank in the Suburban. I wasn't about to do 42 gallons at 4.59. Uh, Brent down 30 cents, 86.51. Natural gas unchanged, 277. Arbob down 2 cents, 293. So what is that? A buck 60 over Arbob. So 92 cents of his taxes. Still kind of a lot. It's, I don't know if stations make 60 cents, but maybe they do. Uh, gold down a buck, 1945. Silver unchanged, 2275. Copper unchanged, 372. We have Bitcoin down 63 bucks, right around where it's been here for a while. Really stuck, 29,356. And the U.S. dollar virtually unchanged, the euro at 109, and the pound at 127, where they've been, give or take, for quite a while. Matt, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently uh, 6.38 a.m. on August 14th, 2023. Uh, the weather in Chicago currently 70, to 70 degrees, a high of 75 later on, overcast skies throughout the day. Tomorrow, similar weather expected. Down in Phoenix, Arizona, mostly clear skies, 85 degrees currently, a high of 110 today. Uh, in the MLB yesterday, Cubs lost to Blue Jays 11-4. White Sox lost as well, 7-3 against Milwaukee Brewers. And Diamondbacks won against San Diego Padres 5-4. Tonight, Diamondbacks play Rockies at 740. The NFL starts, uh, I should say, they wrapped up their first season, the uh, first week of the preseason, I should say, uh, yesterday. Uh, Saints beat Chiefs 26-24, uh, and Raiders took down 49ers by a large margin, 34-7. And on Saturday, we saw the Bears uh, win. Uh, they took down Tennessee Titans 23-17. Bears are back this Saturday, August 19th, against the Colts. So for now, Chief, back to you. Um, Greg, you're, you're the man. Uh, what, what's the Bears' chances of winning the Super Bowls? One in like nine zillion or what? Um, I haven't looked, actually. I can check on that for you. I, I think that stacking the fields with a receiver, though, fantasy-wise, might be actually a decent play this season. Mm. We have Mr. Flanagan. We do indeed. 
Jan, how are morning, you? Everyone. How are you? Morning. Good time. How about you? Hanging in there for you know an old dude. Just saying. Doing your own One actually old doing friend. to another. Tom. Yeah. Well, actually had a very nice dinner last night with a listener and his wife. Uh, it's great when you get to meet some people. Um, it was fun. Uh, uh, very good. Very good dinner too. A place called Gatto's out in uh, Tinley Park. Um, Italian food and they do a real nice job. Uh, and I was, you know, people there seem really nice. The place is really great, and and they give you, a, it's like a cross between a regular, a new regular place and Tofano's where they have all the stuff on the blackboard and you get a menu. It's uh, sixty to one. Sixty to one. Yeah, it's a little rough. I don't think there's who, who's the worst. You just has to be the Bears. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the favorite's got to be KC. Maybe not. Well, interesting. So, John, what would you make of the, the news of the weekend? There's always uh, news. The Argentinian election, I guess, is a little bit of news. I don't know. Somebody's trying to buy U.S. steel, which is kind of interesting. You know, they got a the uh, uh, Cleveland Cliffs put in a bid for them, and now they're trying to uh, take options. Of course, they had to go hire Goldman Sachs, so Goldman Sachs will make a money for a boatload of money for doing nothing, and we lose a steel company. Not so sure that's a positive thing, but... Uh, uh, the Russian ruble slumps to the near 17-month low, moves past 100 on the dollar. So, oh no, the Cardinals are the worst. Really? <laughs> the Cardinals of the Texans, yeah. Cardinals were—they weren't—they were like in the Super Bowl two or three years ago, weren't they? Were close to it. Yikes! Wait a second, this can't be. Yeah, the Cardinals are bad. Yes. De- Detroit is there? Are they favored to win the division or Minnesota? Um, Detroit. Probably Minnesota. Detroit is higher than Minnesota to win. Because Detroit is twenty two hundred, and Minnesota is uh, four thousand, so almost double. Four thousand to what? Well, a bet a hundred to win four thousand. All right. Yeah. So the Bears are bet a hundred to win six thousand. Yep. <laughs> God. That would be nice. There's always somebody runs out there and puts like a ten thousand dollar bet on. So who's the guy? Uh, Last year on the yeah, it was the furniture company guy. Yeah, what's his name? A guy from guy from Texas. Was he? Who was in the Super Bowl last year? It was uh, I don't remember. It was Kansas City and someone else? Yeah, <laughs> it was it was who won? Who, won, yeah, who, won, who won? I don't know. I don't remember. It was Kansas City, wasn't it? It was it was uh, Chiefs beat the Eagles. Yeah. This guy put a oh he was he was the furniture store in Philadelphia, wasn't he? He put all the the money down on the Eagles, and if he'd have won, he was going to give out free sofas or something or free beds for a month. Yeah. Oh, that's a good ad. I like that. Oh, yeah, he he got huge play out of it. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) he didn't win. (laughs) But, uh, no, he was going to give it all away. Was it it free beds, Jen? If he drove... Sofas or, you know, bedroom sets or something that they got. Well, so you could do that, Greg. Yeah, because KC came back in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. That was... That was wild. It looked like you guy had you got his bet. No, you, you can do that. Just think how much, how much uh, PR you get from Stacks and Jacks. Greg Pappas and Jan Flanagan spend put a forty thousand dollar bet down on the Bears. If they win, they're gonna whatever do something. <laughs> Just saying, they're gonna buy a cruise ship and be the only two people on it or something. Uh, what a shit! I've already retired once, Tom. I can't retire again. That's true. <laughs> well, yeah, you, yeah well, people can retire a bunch of times. <laughs> You can go to work for Walmart for a week and say, screw it, and retire yeah, again. Um, I've re- rethought my you know, return to the job market. I think the highlight of the Super Bowl was the halftime show. 
Which one? The, the equipment malfunction one? <laughs> when uh, Rihanna was announcing she was pregnant or whatever. That oh, was God, yeah. Everybody was, everybody was speculating she was. Yeah. yeah. God. The, uh, so uh, two dudes, one guy a trader and one guy a, a professor, all this smear of news we have going here. We've got China debt, all of a sudden people recognizing it's not doing so hot. We've been talking about that for, what, two years? Uh, we've got the Argentinian election, and he's going to dump the central bank. Of course, he's not in yet. He won 30% of the votes. Out of all this news that flies by, inflation news, you got U.S. Steel news, you got all kinds of stuff just just percolating through. How do you determine what what somebody's going to focus on and which one you trade on? That's one of the biggest dilemmas for me. You, you can see news that's really important, and you know someday it's going to be important, but you have no idea what's the day. When somebody, in my opinion, you sit there and you go, "Oh man, it's in July or August of '82 when the rally started." I would never. I knew the rally was going. to, well, I knew had a feeling that the interest rates were going to go down someday, and the rally would start. But I was 18 months early. And how do you, how do you know the day? How do you know all of a sudden nobody cares about the Robert, Russian ruble? Nobody cares about the Chinese debt, and all of a sudden some name in this country that everybody, everybody thought was pristine. You know, whatever, I'm not going to say BlackRock. They're too big and probably too smart. But somebody somewhere they're going to say Greg Pappas caught with. Five billion dollars worth of Chinese debt, and all of a sudden he's toast. I mean, how do you know when that day comes, or if it comes? January first. I don't. I, well, if it's if you know it's coming, and of course it is coming. We all know it's coming. Tim. It's it's a question of who's going to be left holding the bag, and how big that bag is going to be. And I think this China thing, you know, the country garden mess. Um, this is this is sort of following the same path as Evergrande, you know, a year and a half ago, almost two years now. now. And everybody thought that had kind of gone away, that people could take a, you know, a breather from this stuff. But that's only going to become more common um, because China's in a real mess. I mean, yeah. as if we aren't, you know, we're probably in this bigger mess. And but the problem is that their their mess is going to affect us terribly too. Um, we just we don't have any kind of resilience, I think, to, to make ourselves immune from what's going to happen there. Um, and that's you know just leaving off the table any kind of destabilization in the country because of what's happening. Because um, their unemployment is you know through the roof. They got a you know, ever more disaffected population. Um, and I, I just see this as a, a bellwether of what's you know eventually going to come to our shores in a big way. So when it will happen, you know. A year, two, three, uh, where it bottoms out. But you know, I'm not going to make predictions about what bottom will look like because it's going to be pretty stark, and I don't think we're really prepared for it. Well, but how do you? I mean, we do the show. People send me stuff for years on this stuff, and I I have no idea how how deep the doo doo is. In terms of, is it going to Nobody be, ever has an idea. Yeah, is it, is it going to so be a couple of bad weeks like the... Maybe we might find out in 10 years. Well, I, no, I'm saying we had... When there was the Russian debt crisis, I remember that, and all of a sudden... That know, blew some, up. Somebody will... Something blew up over there. And that all, yeah, and that all, blew up all long-term capital. Yeah, and then all yeah. of a sudden, two weeks later, ah, well, we saved long-term capital. We sort of money at them, and we saved them. We're not going under, and we had a big rally. I mean, how do you... I mean, the China... It's the beginning of moral hazard. Well, but China was such a big deal. You couldn't be on TV for five years without saying China, China, China. But I, we, had, we had a guy on a guy. It's a good compilation with Trump. 
yeah. saying China. <laughs> but we had we had a dude on. He was from uh, I'm thinking Wheaton, West Chicago, someplace out there. And the guy, his company made uh, coatings for for pots and pans, non-stick coatings. Don't say Teflon was an insult. Teflon was 50 years ago because uh, I don't think Teflon is used anymore. So if you say, hey, you make Teflon, the guy would like hung up. You know, So you had to be careful. Uh, and he was talking about how, the, he goes, I have no desire to be in China, but, but the people who make the pots and pans are now all in China. They all moved over there. He goes, so for me to sell coatings, I have to sell them over there. And if, if I'm going to sell them over there, I might as well make them over there because, of course, they make you a deal you can't refuse. Jesus and I now have, why don't we say, one or two or three factories over in China. Now, I have no idea whether or not he's, you know, this is just one place. I'm trying to, for those that don't know, I, instead of looking down from the top from Everest or Olympus or someplace, because I was never on Olympus or Everest, I can't look that way. I always got to look from the bottom up. What What is, is this guy made enough money over there to, to have paid off his, factories or whatever or if the all of a sudden the two guys that that are making the pots and the pans that he's selling the coating for if they say screw this i'm going to vietnam or thailand or going back to the u.s does he lose his entire investment does he get the well, the whole thing was you you make it cheap there and you sell it expensive here if you're not doing that you know you're just <laughs> what i'm saying was he, <laughs> you got I'm, it wrong what i'm saying is is he into china for Hundred million of his own cash and nine hundred million for the rest of the factory, or is it five million, ten million? Is he is he going to lose everything? I mean, what is if Apple all of a sudden things get so hot over there that Apple sort of has to pull out, at least to some extent? I mean, what, we we've got an at? answer to that. I mean, Apple stock price every day since they've since you know this has been an issue, it it hasn't really made that much of a difference. Well, okay, but does any anybody who Buys the stock because it's going up because I mean, it's, it's a cathedral. They're huge. Does anybody even care? I mean, that's the biggest answer you could find. I mean, they're they're huge in manufacturing. There, they've got, they've got. Uh, I forgot what percentage of their products actually manufactured there, and, and it doesn't seem to bother too many people. So, in my tiny head, we don't really have that much of a problem, at least. John, I think Greg is using uh, stacks and jacks as a jumping on point for CNBC or Fox. Where you can well, what better on, answer could you get? You go on, what well, better example <laughs> could you find? Uh, I, I don't think that... I'm saying if someday Apple has a $30 billion hole in China, we'll be the last people to hear about it, and the people who bought the stock yesterday have no idea. Yeah, but it's not the people who bought the stock yesterday are the ones who... I mean, it's the holders. Yeah, well, so I know what if I'm you've saying. got people like Warren Buffett not concerned, you know, okay. How do you know he's not I'm saying... I mean, because his position is like... <laughs> It's worth like seventy billion in, in but Apple but or that's, something. That's my whole point. Yeah. As, as long as the stock goes up, everybody thinks that it's okay. I mean, what, we've, what we've been talking about is—is is it not okay? Well, if if you get people scared, the first thing to go down will be the stock. All right. I'm just—I guess I'm not. This, this is the whole point. This is the whole point of the COVID situation. Everybody was not working. Everybody was in a, was it was a bleep show. The Fed poured enough money in to, to make the market go up. Okay, so does that mean all these companies were okay and everybody was all right? There was no COVID? I'm thinking no. <laughs> the from it. government yeah. rode to the rescue. Yeah, well, okay. And they poured money in and now everybody's gagging on that, right? Because um, of the inflation. The, the inflation is... Yeah, there's a, it's a complex system. I don't sure know if you could do correlations too much, but but 
the the answer to the question initially was what's going to happen because of uh, China and Apple. You know, they said, okay, well, we're going to diversify out of China, and, and people are fine with it. So, well, I don't think so far. If it, Apple can do it, I mean, why can't other people? Well, I my point is, everybody there. If you had a place over there, if you had a restaurant over there, there would be some investment on your part. Now, maybe you've made the money back. Maybe you've paid the loans off. Yeah, you've definitely made the money back because you're buying cheap labor and selling expensive well, products. Hopefully. Well, their margin is what forty, fifty percent. So you got to imagine other places are are like that too. I don't think they'd like to give up all the investment they have over there. And one why day. not? If it, well, if they could go to a different place and do it, sure. Well, I, I guess that's. But I mean, the point is, you don't. You know, nobody seems to know how, who, and how much. And if it hits on the wrong day, it's not. That, that's the whole thing. A lot of times, when I used to, I used to be the the guy who did. Uh, Foxconn was what was the bellwether, right? Yeah. If Foxconn was hiring, then you knew that it was fine. Well, the idea of things being fine because even Foxconn are, wants to look <laughs> look away from China. Well, that's <laughs> implosion. The money there is, is is pretty heavy. But Jan, what do you? I mean, anyway, what I used to do. Uh, what was the term? If somebody came up with a you know a, a thing on a building or or a, a uh, whatever a railroad car contract or whatever it happened to be, they would do I would do what they call sensitivity analysis. I mean, you know, I'm sure you know what that is, where you'd say, okay, we have these ten assumptions, and uh, and the you know and w- we we think we can get the the permits in five weeks or something, or we we think our interest rate's going to be five percent or eight percent or something. The idea is, what what if we're wrong in any of these? What if there's a strike? What about this? What about that? And I found as I went through them, if you did a pretty good job on the bid or the estimate or whatever it was, even the economy or the stock company, you, by and large, you could withstand a pretty big oopsie in just about every assumption and do okay. But if you got a little oopsie in like four or five of them, you had trouble. I mean, if all of a sudden this date actually wasn't two months, it was four months at the same time, oh, by the way, your labor wasn't this, it was that, and oh, by the way, the supplier was here, and no, he's three months late. You started to add a bunch of little things together, usually the thing blew up. And I think what we're, what we're talking about, John and I, Greg, is that, is that a lot of little stuff, I mean, we have this housing, I'll use the term bubble. You've got a real estate, a commercial real estate market, certainly in some areas it looks pretty, pretty peaked. Uh, some areas not. Boston, it's booming. You know, some places it's booming. Uh, if if one or two things happen, it's like it kind of tips some of the other house cards in the house. That's what John and I are worried about. You know, and, and the idea that uh, you, just because somebody sees Apple go up two bucks and buy some today, or or holds onto it or something because there isn't place or any place else to put his money, it's not really wouldn't one to really affect the other. I don't think. What do you think, John? I mean, it's I, you know, the, the, the problem I've seen growing for a long time, Tom and Greg, it, it, people have treated investment in China as if it's investment in some kind of locale that runs you know, by the same rules and the same economics as practically any other place you can spot on the globe. And it's never been like that. And I, I think we've, we've sort of lulled ourselves into thinking that it, it's the same. But you, you go into China with investment plans and you go into a partnership, even with a, Ch- a Chinese corporation, that isn't like you know, an independent corporation as American business people will, will define it. 
um, the government has got its teeth in everything, and you go you go into partnership with them. You're going into partnership with the government at some level. If things go south, and you know you you start hemorrhaging money, um, you're going to be in a position like a lot of countries are with the Belt and Road Initiative that China has used as leverage to get control. And you you don't have any bargaining power against the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, you don't want to have any kind of dealings with them if you can help it. But so many other people have just blown past this kind of you know, mindset and said it's perfectly okay. You know, they'll behave in an orderly way. They're business people too, just like we are. Blah 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 blah. And I've never bought it. And I think we're going to have to take a you know a big blow on the chin when we see people losing their shirts and if businesses go elsewhere and flee China it isn't like you can just go follow those businesses you're stuck you're going to be you know throttled by somebody who's still milking you for money and they've got perhaps you know an ownership share in your company bigger than yours at this point uh, this is the price you pay for doing business with, with people like that so this is nothing against the Chinese people they didn't come up with this system but you go in there and want to start a, a company you're selling your soul pretty much to do it and you know I, I just don't have a whole lot of sympathy I, I, I'm sure I will live to boo those words because everybody's going to be paying the price for having seen it happen so often but it was a bad model to buy into well, um, it was uh, never going to work the way we wanted it to our friend Kevin has kind of opined in on the I'm side I'm on board of, uh, with that too you, you, if you walk into a, a room that you have know nothing about or you try to play a game in a casino that you don't know the rules good luck yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, Kevin is on sort of the side of, of, of Greg that, you know, a lot of the guys went over there and made did well on the cheap labor and sold the stuff somewhere else. And over a period of time, if you've been there long enough, probably if, if something bad happened tomorrow, the hit's not going to be that big. Uh, and I think... You've uh, made your money back yeah, times you made, 100. You're which fine. I, you know, I'm, I think the guy who was on the show, that was six years ago. I bet he's made his money back. But... I also know that these guys, a lot of people, they owe people an awful lot of dough, and if, if it turns out they owe BlackRock 50 mil, eh, you know, that's, I don't think that's a bad couple of months for BlackRock. It's certainly not a game changer for our economy here, but you don't really know who owes who and how much, and whenever whenever that happens, I just, you know, that's what I'm, I'm worried about, John, because you never really know, and uh, is it every, every place, I remember the... Uh, the 2007-2008 fiasco and everybody was looking at all the U.S. banks and people that had these credit default swaps and things like that and it was obviously it was AIG, it was Goldman it was it was the, a lot of the big players in some of the banks and what, what was the name of the bank like six months later that some German bank and I thought I knew some of the bigger players over there because Chad and I had lectured a couple of them doesn't mean I knew this banking system but there was some bank in Germany that went under like a couple of months later and we heard of these guys I mean, you, you, you sort of never really know where this pocket, these pockets of risk are, right? I mean, it's you hope it's not that big, like Greg, and saying, well, if, if it was that big and the and the stock market was as efficient as people think it is, if Apple had real problems over there, somebody should know about it, and and the stock should go down. And I'm I'm, I'm with Greg on that. No, too. we would be someone would get spooked, and then yeah, that would turn I'm, a turn a you know. To, uh, into a tsunami, and then people will get spooked the other way. Well, without even but, knowing it, you, you're 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 espousing the the Chicago school of stock market from 1977. I mean, the idea, yeah, there, which I think is not great. Well, but, but I'm saying in those days, 
And I used, by the way, I used to be like this. In those days, if, if the, the, you know, the, the, the CEO had bad fish the night before and was groaning in the can the next morning, somebody knew about it and the stock was down. I mean, that, that's how efficient people, it used to be called efficient markets yeah. theory. I'm, I'm more of the corrupt markets theory. Well, okay, but I was, efficient. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I think yeah, the corrupt then, person will be. The well, short. since then, I'm, I'm in totally, I, I, I think there's some of that. I think the news is nowhere near as good as it used to be. I don't think there's as many analysts. I don't think. I, I think that Apple could have. Matt, I can I, I get a title every once in a while? Yeah, could sure, the corrupt markets theory go go on the headline? Okay. <laughs> the corrupt markets lurker. <laughs> oh <Okay>. no! <laughs> yeah, that, we, got a, we got the, We got our title. <laughs> the corrupt markets lurker. Oh. SA futures up six fifty. The SA futures up thirty three. Be right back. Stacks and Jackson. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. As the people get your number, it won't be long before they storm this chamber and they hang you and they'll be right. Hello and welcome back, Stacks and Jacks. Time to out. Greg Pappas here, Jed Flanagan. We've got a crazy morning we're talking about this morning. Has anybody ever read the, the lyrics to that song, Mad of You? White Room, A Cream? Yeah. I have. Were you high? <laughs> well, I don't know if I should say so on the air, but uh, there's a chance. Tell That's me tell me a chance. That, tell me, Jan, as a guy who was around when the thing was written, did the person write that song? It had to be some kind of an LSD troupe. I would hope so, Tom. I don't... Could you, you know, 
Which which is uh which is crazier that one? I've been Jack Bruce wrote that. Or uh, what was was the, what was the Moody Blues song? It was a white something something white. Oh, nights in white, white satin. satin. Yeah. yeah. No, it was the one with the guys bouncing across the something at the rail station. The hell was that one? Is it a terrible white, station white, by Grateful Dead? No, the the train's leaving the station and something something something. It's it's a white it's white something. It's by the Moody Blues. Oh. Anyway, but it's it, they're just as crazy. You read these things and like, I don't know, I don't know how somebody even sings like the city of New Orleans. It's like singing, <laughs> reading a book. Yeah, very poetic stuff. Yeah, you know, for I think for all those guys, especially you know like Arlo Guthrie and whatnot, you know, it's it's that old folky roots that they got the folks the blues, um, and they incorporate that with their uh, their I guess their psychedelic blend of stuff. What uh, you know you know who wrote uh, who wrote that song? Well, w- w- which one's that? Um, the. Uh, City of New Orleans. Yeah, I don't, no, I Steve don't. Steve Goodman. Eh? Yeah, Steve Goodman. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, I saw him perform. I think I saw him at the uh, Quiet Night. I saw him at the old Chicago Fest when he was down uh, near Soldier Field in the seventies. Oh uh, really? Precursor of Taste of Chicago. Yeah, we we used to see a whole bunch of people at the uh, uh, at the at the Quiet Night. Where we saw Seals and Croft there the night before they published their album. Wow. Was uh, but they, and who played there every Monday night was uh, Siegel Schwa. What a great blues band! Siegel Schwa, yeah. The uh, anyway, so the uh, yeah, we, I mean, I, that's that's whole, that's one of the the joys and the challenge of being an investor and a money manager. You see all this news flying by, and 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 the picking out the stuff that's tradable, and not only that, when it's tradable. I mean, clearly the uh, you know the. Interest rates being something percent in 1980, it was tradable, but not till 1982. Now this time, we had the, the TLT. I mean, we, when interest rates were, what did 10-year get down to? 0.8 or, or 1%? TLT, which is the 20-year essentially ETF on 20-year plus ETF bonds, I think, let me find out exactly here. Um, if I put the, where are we at? We won't go one year, we'll go back five years. And we'll say... This thing traded 170, right? And now it's 95. Well, if it was at 170, I mean, there, there's nobody, I think, that had been in the business or alive for any length of time that didn't think that interest rates, if from 1%, there's only one direction to go, Greg. Right? <laughs> I mean, I, well, I guess they could have gone negative like in Japan. Europe. But yeah, they could have gone negative like Europe, but uh, I don't know what what kind of a bleep storm that would have caused. But um, by and large... You thought they were going to go the other way, especially since interest rates were, or inflation was where it was. Yet you could have sat on this thing for, you could have run it down to 135 and then had it get stuck right up behind again up to 155 because we got short this thing 20 times. I think we made money maybe half of them because every time you thought it was, go, it was starting to go, it would turn around and go right back the other way. And uh, I mean, it really is more difficult than you think to find out when the news is, is going to actually... Uh, you know, be be something that uh, that is is actually tradable, like for a while. In the same way that uh, you can't know really about how China's being affected, or, or when people are pulling money out and stuff. I mean, you can't really know. You got to see where else the money's going. So, if China money is going to Vietnam, India, and Mexico, you know, the bond money where they wanted to go. You know, I think I would say that's just going into stocks. Yeah. 
So a synthetic short of the <laughs> a synthetic short of bonds is just long even more stock. So well, and and everybody has the idea that that people uh, maybe these guys invested a hundred million dollars in this dollar denominated debt eight ten years ago, and quietly they've known they were never going to get their money back and have been sort of putting it in reserve for bad debts for ten years. And the day it finally happens, nobody's going to care. I mean, right, Greg? I mean, right, Chad? I, I, I mean, would plan for yep. that with China, yep. at least. So that 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 would be your hope, that it's not a shocker. Okay. Now, Or it could be somebody you never even knew. It could be the, the bank of God knows who all of a sudden has all kinds of stuff over there, and you would hope that that, that wouldn't be the case. And one day it happens, these guys go down in the middle of a trade with somebody else, and they go down. And you would hope that that does, isn't the case. I have to believe that, that the guys like BlackRock are smart enough to see this 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 thing crumbling over there and have made allowances for it. I would I would hope. Wouldn't you, Jen? I mean, the, you would you would hope, but Tom, you know the, the thing I I think we, uh, that I fear the most is that the Chinese have always played a geopolitical game with their economy and their drive to get investors to, to come in there. It's always been about solidifying their you know everything within their national boundaries and you know fighting a war against everybody else. And I don't think we've had how many trade representatives has the U, that the U.S. had um, has the U.S. had to that actually take a geopolitical view towards trade at all. I mean, it, to them, it's just money, and we can spend it wherever we want. It. We want to spend it where we're going to make the most return on it. We have no sense of geopolitical consequences for any of this stuff, which is why you can see now, you know, they they push such fuel standard emission standards for cars in this country. You know, the, the EPA, everything is behind making it pr- pretty much impossible to build a fossil fuel-driven car by 2036. But the Chinese are just looking at this for the futures market for cobalt and lithium and everything else to create batteries for, you know, electric vehicles. They see it, this as a way of, of making, you know, starving the rest of the world um, and making sure that they've got, the every, you know, their fist around everybody else's neck. and. We are so alien in, in this kind of a, an environment when it comes to the way we approach our business dealings. We don't think in those terms. We don't even think in terms of national boundaries, clearly. Uh, that these have anything to do with you know, long-term you know, safety of investments or anything else. It's all just dollar-driven. And somebody's gonna come out a winner. Nobody cares if the country as a whole loses or its taxpayers get screwed. The companies don't care about that. But, but China has to care, and they, they care to their credit um, in ways that, you know, they, they effectively hoodwinked everybody else into not caring at all. So that, that's a dangerous and a losing game to play. Well, it is, and, and you you see the, the amount of, and, and I think we're at a little bit of an edge here with, with the uh, real estate stuff. And I, I mean, Nancy's going to be on in a bit. I mean, I really, when, when you look at the 2000, some of the calculations you do, John, or I do, in 2007 and 8, I went through and said, "Okay, what what is the mean the mean uh, income of people making, and how much a houses cost, and and do they match up?" And the answer was, "No." I mean, I, in my opinion, the answer was no. Eighty-five uh, percent of the people could not afford the the median house in 2007, and the thing blew up because, of course, you know, the wrong people got the mortgages and the blah blah blah. And a bunch, what I consider to be ancillary issues. The problem was the houses were too friggin' high. 
that most people couldn't pay him and any kind of a problem was going to cause a real big problem. And I think we're, we're there again. Okay, and it's like, I mean, uh, this whole student loan debate, as people start um, having to pay their student loans back again in October, uh, you know, in, in this massive debate which we have, and I'm, always, I'm kind of again everybody that's on the show, which I'm not usually, regarding the value of education and whether people should have it, people should be dunderheads. I say dunderheads. Should, should, should people not have an education? I don't think that the people coming out of high school right now have half the education as people did 50 years ago. You know, but I, they oh, got Google to make up for it. Yeah, they got Google to make up for it, if, if it makes up for it, but I, I don't know if it does or not. Um, but the point being is the issue is college education is too frigging expensive. It, it has nothing to do with all these other debates that all of a sudden, because of it, if if Notre Dame was twenty grand like it ought to be, according to the CPI from when we were there, Jen, and somebody who owned a, a who owned a, a, a metalworking facility wanted to send his kid there for for eighty grand and, and come back and, and run the metalworking facility, there isn't a soul on earth that wouldn't say that was probably worth it and the kid knows a lot more now met some people blah 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 now he knows history he knows english no nobody would say that it quote wasn't worth it but at 280 i don't know i might be one of the ones that says it's not worth it but does that mean somebody shouldn't get it's all because the prices are just too freaking high i mean we're seeing how many people you know now are, are not even going to get medical stuff because it's too high i mean we've we've gone from in the last however many years, I'm going to say since 2000, say say 2007, I'm going to say the the the, the price now of a car is now what two times, damn near two times a year's median income of an individual. Not quite so much. Not not quite. I'm say one one point six times. John, in our day it was 25 percent, 30 percent. The cost of three nights stay at Northwestern. Well, right now, now you'd have to do that as a per mile, though. How many how many miles you get out of that car versus how the many car miles lasts? You well, get? what I'm saying, it's not even. It, I mean, it, it lasted you four or five years. I mean, yeah, now you can get ten years. I got way more than ten. But 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 I'm just the, the cost of an education. Notre Dame education was a third of a year's salary for right. somebody, and now it's one point. No, now it's two. Th- it's three, two and a half times. Yeah. And a, a, a hospital night stay at Northwestern, I'm going to say a, a median salary pays for a three-night stay. That's, that's unconscionable. You, you, can't, <laughs> you can't. And the idea is it's covered by insurance. It's covered by, it doesn't matter where it's covered. The fact is it's too high. It, it causes all this other stuff to happen that shouldn't happen. Am I, or am I wrong? Was it too low no, before? No, you know, it, it's sometime around the Vietnam War, the you know, higher education detached itself from the job market, the job market that higher ed had normally, you know, prepared people for. So if you wanted to be, you know, in, in the professions of, you know, a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, an accountant, um, a teacher you know, in higher ed too, um, these were what people went to college for. That's how they saw themselves. And there were plenty of other jobs around um, to satisfy the needs of people who had no interest in college or thought they could do better by doing something that didn't require college, and it was possible to live a perfectly you know, prosperous, happy life by not going to college. But, it, but you know, after 1965 or 1970 or so, the, the myth began to form that without college, you don't have a chance getting a job, period. And th- this is only because 
the number of good paying jobs for, for blue collar employees completely vanished. And co the college has not in any way kept track or kept pace with people who are sitting in these classrooms as far as what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. They're not being prepared to do anything at which they can earn any money. A lot of them, too many of them. And this is the big scandal to me. It, it, it is bad enough that they're fleecing people by saddling them with all this debt, but the skills that they're peddling are completely useless by and large. So I, this is, I don't think you know higher ed um, has the right to hold its head up high about anything at this point. It's, it's participated in the decimation of these people. Well, I think they're not I, trained I, and, they're, and they're bankrupt. So well, yeah, that, that is a problem. But 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 I think it comes down to it comes down to price. I mean, if it, we knew, I'm sure we needed. Uh, when I say we needed, we knew we knew people who went to Notre Dame, and you say why they even go there. I mean, I mean, uh, I would say that um, our friend Mike Murphy, who comes on all the time, and he uh, he he left uh, Notre Dame and ended up being joining the army. Now you could say, what what'd you do that for? You could you could have joined the army. Right out of school and graduated or retired five years earlier or something. Yet I don't think Mike, at the price he paid and the friends he met and things, would ever say that that was not a good deal. But now today, oh, sure. today would you say, go to Notre Dame, pay for it? Today it's and, probably even more worth it. Go to Notre Dame, pay for it, and then join the Army? I'd say most people, at least you, you try and do a, you know, a, a Robert C. thing or something where they paid for it. Yeah, get, get somebody else to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying it's not. You know, I'm saying the the idea. I I I don't know. I know my. I don't know. I, I'm a chip off the old block. My mom was well, a year before she died was still taking courses in history and stuff at St. Xavier's at night for adults. I mean, you did that. You did that because you wanted to learn. That you know that's that's in my DNA. What can I say? I'm not, I'm not going to win this argument, I guess. But but I don't know how much. What, what did it cost her? Hundred bucks, maybe. I hope they even. I don't know if they even still do that. Yeah, but the uh, anyway, the uh, we're we're talking about um, things that affect markets that all of a sudden out of the blue become tradable. And I, I'd say that in my however many years, I mean, last week, well, perfect example. Uh, Gle uh, was it last week or the week before? Greg, you're on the show. You got your your finger on the pulse of the futures markets and everything. I'm going to say that the downgrade by Fitch came right out of left field. Yep. Yep. Nobody cared. Well, they did for a couple days. Yep. <laughs> but now, and now uh, somebody else came out and downgraded uh, the banks. Well, they, I mean, the and, the, and we commented that that was you know how many months late. They're just looking for publicity, keep themselves relevant. I, I, I don't know if I, I make that accusation. What about you, Jen? Oh, I think it's it's a uh, you know the canary in the coal mine time. Yeah, I don't. I mean, we've we've had this idea that I mean, if you were to ask if. We were to go on CNBC today or Fox, and I would sit down with the very attractive young ladies on there, looking like I do, and say, "Look, you know, look at this debt. Look at this." I'd be one of a list of how many people in the last ten years that have sort of warned, and they'd say, "Well, if you're right, how come it hasn't happened yet?" And the, you know what? I don't know what the answer to that is. Do you, Jack? No. I mean, what? I do think, Tom, that you know, that it, as for the ten banks that were, you know, you know downgraded and others that are on watch lists there's so many other banks that are creeping towards that same status we have no idea and i think it's going to be a, a huge shock when this starts to unravel but, but there's a lot of banks that i think are just just holding on and, and and 
hoping that nobody blows the whistle too soon on them. Well, Jan, where where do you think in the bank's situation, and we, we go all the way back to the Resolution Trust and those kinds of things, I don't I don't see, I mean, I, again, I'm asking you because I don't, I don't see the banks with all the stuff going on in downtown Chicago in terms of people piling out on buildings and stuff. I don't see those mortgages being held by First National or Continental no. or anymore. So, and they they pass through damn near every mortgage to Fannie and Freddie except for a jumbo. So, what is their risk? On the, I mean, there's going to be some, but what is their risk on the real estate market vis-a-vis thirty years ago? I don't think it's anywhere near as high. Do you? Well, I think it's it's changed, Tom. It's still significant, but you know now you know the front line lenders would be, you know pension funds, insurance companies, government, you know, all, all stuff that's, you know, and, and they own pieces of the, the debt. They're, they're cooperative deals, most of them, I think, especially the really big ones. Nobody's going to be, you know, sitting there taking the, the hit for the entire amount, typically, I think. But but the banks are somewhere in that deal, but they're just not on the front line. Their name is not on the mortgage instrument. But they've got, you know, debt owed to them by these companies. They've, they've got other investments not in real estate you know but they are they're keyed into it even if they're not a named party on the loan so i i think that this is that that's changed because here's an answer to your question i think that the earnings from walmart and deer this this uh this week are probably going to tell you more than whatever the guy on cnbc or well except they're not going to tell you how much the price are going to well, the earnings. I'm talking about the the free cash flow and the earnings and the the dividend. Well, that tells you if they're able to beat their earnings or or keep up with expectations. That that tells you more about what's going on. Would than, you rather be one of the expectators on. than a lurker? <laughs> Expect yeah. <laughs> I, yes, <laughs> yes. Maybe, definitely. Maybe you can explain this to me. I can't uh, explain how, anything. How come I can explain shorting the yeah. people on TV? Well, yeah. <laughs> you guys are short. Uh, how, how exactly, uh, since all these companies, when I started the business, I mean, Bear Stearns, the dear departed Bear Stearns, probably had 50 people that did nothing but follow companies, you know, just covered them, followed them to the men's room, for God's sake, and, and uh, came out with these expectations and stuff. Now, nobody hires people to do that, really. People, some, I mean, when they come out, say, who gets who gets the call? By the way, what do you expect? I expect forty cents. We've got you expectations know. every day. Just look at the options. I know. I'm saying, but well, I know, but I'm look, who actually is the expectator? And I think Deere is going to be twenty billion dollars, and they come in at twenty point two, and it's a good day. I mean, who the hell says twenty? Who are these people? The options traders. No, I'm talking about the the earnings predictors. Not the not where the not the uh, where well, the stock's going to go. Eventually. Eventually, that shows up in the stock price, doesn't it? Well, what I'm saying is, somebody was on last week that 85% of people have beat expectations. Okay, the companies don't give guidance, and there's not as many expectators as they were. So where are they getting them? I think internally. From who? They say, we're going to make this much. And they they beat it? You and I could do that. Well, (laughs) that's part of the game. (laughs) I guess. If Um, they say they're, I think, what was it? Like a dollar... Dollar sixty or dollar seventy for Walmart earnings. Well, it's at some point, I think you have to stop having three CEOs in a row on, saying that we we increased our margin means we raised prices, and we were able to raise prices, and by the way we had good earnings, and not discount that, 
and at the same token have some other guy come out and say inflation's going down. Well, they all couldn't be raising prices of inflation going down, one or the other. I guess I don't know that I'm going to get a straight story from Walmart of how much they raise prices across the board. So if their revenue is up 2% and they raise prices 10 I'm going to say that's not a good report for every man. Am I right. wrong? I don't. Right. And how do you, I mean, John Deere, I bet, has ra- raised prices all over the chart. That's probably why your 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 farmers that's probably why the make, stock price is up. Yeah, and why? And you you had the chart last week about how much less the farmers are going to make this year. Right, and pork producers are getting uh, squeezed even more, and they're probably not going to make any money two years in a row. But still, they still got to you know operate, and how much they lose per head, or how much they lose or don't make per bushel is the number that you got to think about why do you suppose the price of pork and 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 beef continue to separate pork's pork's as cheap as it was before covid and beef is not right and the pork producers and you'll see people like uh smithfield and who's the other one tyson who are closing factories um and their their suppliers are just going to other places you know it's they're shutting down production and it, it really it's really in my opinion their prices are way down their the supply is adjusting but it's it's not pain yet it's just pain for those guys who are uh, operating the huge facilities right now it's really not pain to the supplier yet other than pasta it's got to be a pork chop for 30 bucks it has to be one of the highest profit items for a restaurant because it's costing them what a dollar and a half too uh, well, you know, when you know get Smithfield and other companies, other food producers owned by the Chinese, um, Smithfield, you can't really trust the pricing Tyson. that you see as being driven by the market either. So I, I think that's one of the, you know, if they, you know, close a factory here or, or open some one somewhere else, whatever, you know, makes sense to them. Again, it's a geopolitical decision. It's not just a, you know, a market or uh, an economic decision for the Chinese you know that, that own these places now so yeah pork um, pork has been pork has been uh tough i mean farmers had it good uh cattle cattle was doing great and i'm not sure about their profit margin but in terms of nominal price pork not so good you can and you can buy a pork loin anywhere if you buy the whole thing for yeah, i'm gonna say two bucks per, or per pound is yeah. cheap yeah yeah so they've they've been feeling it now now, if you process it and you make pork sausage out of it, that price goes up. All the processed stuff is up. But the actual pork itself... Well, that's their input cost. So yeah. that's... I mean, they're happy to see that when their input costs go down. But still, it's it's been tough for the pork more so than the other processors and producers. Well, I love the, the really... The, the restaurants in the South Loop where my guys go when they go to the Sox games, when they used to go to Sox games. Uh, all, the, all the sliders now... The appetizers, not all, but a lot of them have gone from uh, burgers to pulled pork. This pulled pork you can make for a buck seventy-nine a pound. Yeah, and I'm not complaining pork. about that either. Oh, that I like stuff it. It's is good. good. Oh, it's real good. Uh, you, I'm a, I actually make a pretty good batch. Yeah, you know, we do slow roasted downstairs. It's yeah, it's, you know what's so great for that is not that I'm giving recipes. I'll be like Kenny Polkiri. Uh, the Nesco roaster is is to die for. Oh yeah, pork. I have one of those stuff. <laughs> what I have a six, twelve, and twenty-two quart. What do you have? Oh, I got a 12, I think. Wow, those are the old ones. Uh, yeah. I got one from Audrey, a friend of hers. Of course, Audrey wasn't a part of it. 
The thing is so old, it doesn't even have an on and off switch. You plug it in and it's on. Yeah. <laughs> I think my parents got one of those for a wedding gift. I, don't, I never saw my mother use it. <laughs> my brother still cooks uh, turkeys and everything in his. My mother got it for her shower gift. It had to be 1948. <laughs> Things still yeah. work. I had it fixed once by somebody out in Berwyn, but it's it's the one that has all the... Uh, you ever seen the ones, Greg, that the inside, there's all kinds of pots and pans that go in there? Oh, yeah. Those, I mean, how old... They, they stopped making those. It had to be... What, Probably in the 60s. Or 60s. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, the thing is idiot-proof. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, it's a, a cook, cook a brisket in there for about six hours at 275. It's a die for. Just saying. Making everybody hungrier. Low and slow. Yeah, low and slow. We're up, now, we have lost the market. We're down three bucks. This is what's been happening the last couple of weeks. You can't trust the rally. Not like not like before. Um, we got gold down. We got we got to do a traffic weather sports here in a second. Can you hang around a little bit with Nancy, Jen? Sure. Uh, SP futures down three. Nasdaq futures down five seventy five. Be right back. Stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. 
Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, welcome back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Byrne on the board. Well, we're the market is ahead of the headlines this morning, uh, Matt. Last night, uh, the headline was markets rise slightly and the spoos were down 10. This morning we came in and markets down slightly. They were up 10. Now it says stock futures rise slightly and the uh, S&Ps are down uh, seven bucks. So we're uh. <laughs> it's a uh, we can't we can't keep up with the written headlines. The S&Ps are now seven. Nasdaq yeah. futures down 25. Uh, Dow futures are actually up 14 and the. Nothing's really moving the Dow. I don't have anything over over or under a dollar on the up or down on the Dow. So as of right now, we're just kind of kicking around a little bit. European markets are mixed. The DAX up 54.3%. FTSE down 33.4%. And CAC around uh, up 84 cents, so I'll call that unchanged. So mixed mixed to nothing over there. Friday, uh, Dow was up 105, S&P down 4, NASDAQ unchanged. So we're up, down, up, down about three or four times on Friday. So... If you were bullish, you could have made money. If you were bearish, you could have got money. We just had to keep getting out. Uh, Asia, Nikkei down 413. That's minus 1.3%. Uh, these guys are having interest rate problems, and the, and the wine uh, is, continues to, not the wine, the, uh, yeah, the wine continues to drop uh, against the dollar to the point where they might have to, well, they might have to intervene. Hang Seng down 301 as they've got problems with this country garden. Uh, Ten of their bonds are stopped trading today. These are one of the biggest uh, holders of dollar-denominated U.S. debt. Uh, which we've known about for a while. Now the question is, is it still a problem or not? It remains to be seen. Shanghai is only down 10, however, 0.3%. Bonds up one basis point, 4.18. The bond unchanged, 2.62. Japan up another three basis points, 0.62. It's highest we've seen it in a bit. Oil uh, down 95 cents now. It's a full 1%, 82.24. Brent down 88 cents, 85.93. Natural gas up 4 cents, 281. Arbob down 5 cents, 290. I'd made it up to what 295 or six on Friday. As gas has gone up here 40 cents in the last couple of weeks. Gold down 650, 1940. Silver down eight cents, 22.66. Copper down two cents, 370. We had crypto down 80 bucks, but quiet in the range here, 29,338. Uh, we have the U.S. dollar uh, down slightly. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Down, down a little bit more now. Uh, the uh, wait, I'm sorry. The uh, the pound and the and the euro are down. The dollar is actually up. The pound is down to 109. Uh, or, oh, I'm screwing this up. The pound is down to 126.6, and the euro is down to 109. So the dollar is moving up here a little bit. That's why you see gold to the downside, and it's kind of a mixed bag here. Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Cubs lose, sacks don't help. Yeah, definitely not. Not looking good for them. I want to say, uh, yeah, currently August 14th, uh, 2023. The time is 7.34 a.m. Uh, weather this morning in Chicago, 70 degrees currently, a high of 75 today. Uh, overcast skies throughout today. Uh, tomorrow, similar weather expected. Down in Phoenix, Arizona, mostly clear skies, 84 degrees currently, a high of 110 degrees. Uh, sports. Uh, in the MLB yesterday, Cubs, of course, lost to Blue Jays 11-4. White Sox lost as well, 7-3 against Milwaukee Brewers. And Diamondbacks, though, they won their game against San Diego Padres, 5-4. Uh, tonight, the Diamondbacks are get, uh, back again, again to play uh, Rockies at 740. 
Uh, the NFL wrapped up the first week of the preseason yesterday. Saints beat Chiefs 26-24. Uh, Raiders took down 49ers to, uh, by a large margin, 34-7. But we also saw the Bears win last Saturday, taking down the Tennessee Titans 23-17. Uh, Bears are back again this Saturday, August 19th, against the Colts. So for now, Chief, back to you. Do we have Nancy? We're still waiting on Nancy. Um, okay, she'll be, she'll be here. So, Jan, uh, maybe you can interpret this for me. At the party, she was kindness in the hard crowd, mm-hmm. consolation for the old wound now forgotten. Yellow tigers crouched in jungles in her dark eyes. She's just dressing goodbye windows, tired starlings. So what what kind of drugs was that person on? Gosh. I'd the say one they shouldn't give out in English classes. I'd 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 say uh, they were on the good stuff or something. I think it was the same stuff they gave the Timothy Leary. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just a theory there. I, I how do you how do you even sing that? Little you can hard enough to read it. Metaphors run amok. Yeah, <laughs> metaphors run amok. So, John, what do you make? We you know obviously uh, Greg has more of a trader's view of the world. Still thinking that a lot of this stuff. Is I, I find it harder and harder to get real information, and I, I see I think less people actually being analysts for these firms. I mean, I, I don't. How many people do you think uh, a firm is going to pay to be an analyst? I mean, it, no, nobody. I'm not saying that people should pay this much for commission or anything like that. But people used to pay huge amounts of money, but in their mind, the firm's mind, you weren't. The commission was was part of it. What you were, and I'm not saying we should do this today. I mean, it, I think a lot of it wasn't worth what they were saying. But if you had a uh, uh, Stiefel Nichols, if you had a uh, Smith Barney, they would they would say our analysts think, based on you know a lot of work, that boy at this level Microsoft's a great buyer, Nike's a great buyer, Procter and Gamble's a sell it or something. The idea was that you were you were paying for that expertise to the point where then people started selling the expertise elsewhere. Nance, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing good. We're, the, the theme this morning is sort of with all the, all the information flying about everybody, how do you pick one that's tradable, pick one that makes sense? And even if it's tradable or makes sense, how do you know the day at which other people are going to think it trades or makes sense? Um, we were talking about Chinese debt, and we're kind of all over the place and the information and how uh, you know, firms used to have people that studied these stocks, and their their information was what you really—that's what you used Morgan Stanley for. That's what you used uh, Solomon Brothers for. Is their guys would study these companies, and they would get you in the right companies. And even though the commission was high, the idea was you're paying for some guys or ladies that basically worked their fannies off and found the ones that were undervalued, the ones that were overvalued, and you trusted their judgment. Uh, that whole ship has kind of gone awry, and people somehow still think that people are analyzing these companies to that extent. I don't know that it's really true. In real estate companies, I mean, how, how do you guys know which ones have, what kind of properties people have or whatever uh, that are good or bad or whatever? I mean, it's really hard to find out about all these places because we're trying to figure out as China seems to be spiraling what firms here are in trouble and how much trouble are they in? Are they going to take anybody else with them? And I, I don't know. How do you even think about something like that, Nance, and on a scale which you're investing? Well, the brain trust has already got it. So what do you two think? That's the question. Let's get it out there. I'm not so sure that as many people know as used to. Well, John, what are you thinking? I, 
I think there's so much, you know, there's there's so much incentive, or so many incentives, I guess, to be medically correct, not to give, you know, hard data, you know, a, a, an unvarnished, you know, position in the news cycle. Nobody really wants to know a lot of this stuff because it's it's bad for business. I mean, it's you'd rather kind of like duck and cover and and not have it all spelled out. I really agree with you, Tom. You can't get good data, and this is all by design. It isn't just that somebody forgot to do it. I think people are getting paid not to look at it, or people are getting paid to corrupt it, or to tweak it, or to conceal it, and. I, I just think that that's, that makes it impossible to, to make good decisions on the data that you have. You're, you're playing with corrupt stuff. I, you know, I, I just I gotta believe it's it's that bad. I, I just I think that it's it starts with, with the government, with BLS, and you name it. I, none of these numbers are trustworthy, like you would have said they were, you know, 20, 30 years ago. They don't mean anything anymore, or, well, or, or what they mean is so so off the, the charts scary that it's best not to go too deeply into it. So you're a... Okay. Go ahead, Nance. I was going to say, Nance, you didn't hear our, We should replay it someday. An interview with a gentleman. Where the, where the hell was the guy from? Was he Denmark or someplace? Norway. He was an economics professor, Professor Goodhart. How's that for a name? And his law was, once a index becomes a target, it ceases to be a value as an index. So once people are staring at the CPI, it's no good anymore because people corrupt the index, basically. Yeah, is what you. Yeah. But Nance, a question on the table for you. Well, a bunch of them we have for you. We were talking about earlier. What if there's a? It's, it's not as easy. I would have said that fifty years ago, if the Board of Trade Building went into receivership, that Continental Bank or First National or somebody was on the hook. Correct. That, I would say I would agree with that statement. And and if uh, if if Nance, if your parents bounced on their house. Uh, Evergreen Savings and Loan or Concordia or somebody's on the hook. You could you could kind of point to where it is, but right now, if if all of a sudden I, I can't figure out who these guys, who's got the, the the nut on these buildings downtown, and if if there's a collapse in the a minor collapse, we don't even want to say a big collapse, I don't want to jinx it in in the in the housing market, which you deal with a lot, Nance, who's on the hook for that? There's no there's no banks really that you can point to having oh, fifty more. Freddie Mac, Federal Housing Authority, the um, VA, the, vet, the vets, or um, Federal Home Loan Bank. Those five own, you know, the, they're, the, they're the foundation for all these mortgages. And then Wall Street has another player. So if Wall Street owns the mortgage, it just comes out of, a, you know, one of those um, real estate funds, REITs. And I would imagine the, all the buildings downtown would be considered commercial. So they're in either a bank's private portfolio or they're in some packaged wreath with Wall Street. Well, where are the jumbos? Jumbos are with um, Fannie and Freddie and all them. Really? So I thought I Those thought they wouldn't five, take something yeah. over. Not like... FHA. I thought they were. If you had something, well, they keep raising the number. I thought at one point, if it was if your mortgage is over six fifty or something, the bank had a hold of it. Fannie wouldn't wouldn't take it. That that was true at one time, but since Wall Street got in the game, they do take them. They they price them higher. They price them for um, you know they're they're just a higher price loan. 
um, because obviously because of the size and the risk. So it's it's more risk based, but it's what they're not doing is competing with Wall Street on these no doc, no name, you know, just name and social security number loans. They're not they're not playing in that arena with them. They're letting them have it. But the um, and then the cost of a jumbo, oh my God! At one point it was like two thirty three or something like that, and we're in the sixes now. But it is based on zip code. It is okay. based on area. So, I mean, a jumbo in California is different than a jumbo in Illinois versus a jumbo in Georgia or Kansas. I mean, it's all different now. Can you have a jumbo in, like, Mississippi or West Virginia? I'm sure you can, but I'm sure it's a lot lower than the threshold is here. I mean, our cook is, like, 600. It's, ooh, it's in the sixes. I can't even remember anymore. But um, uh, a jumbo in, you know, Mississippi is not going to be... Um, the same. It's going to be smaller because of okay. The, the okay jumbo in Illinois is seven twenty six two hundred. That's up from so like six hundred a few years ago. Yeah, so that that would be considered a jumbo. So if you're seven twenty five nine ninety nine, you're you're fine. You're you're just a regular mortgage. Well, the, the, the Silicon Bank holding all those jumbos, Janet and Nancy, is it, was that unique to them because those people they wanted to lock those people in as those were all portfolio loans probably for them for that you know yeah. that they took in knowing those people in that area which banks are allowed to do they, they're allowed to have a commercial loan portfolio that's how they make their money so if you were I'm not saying well, they, they would do it risk. but like if you were a, a, a big customer of uh, for, for a lot of reasons I mean you had a business or something with say one of the banks what and I drove by last night old old national or somebody and you went in and you said well I'm buying a house for a million bucks they might give you a mortgage and hold it, right? For, they, that is correct, and I don't have to be a great. I don't have to be a great customer either. I mean, banks need to make money, and how they do it is just what you're saying. They have to lend money. So if you, if I went in there and I was Joe Blow, let's just say I'm nobody, okay, and I go in and I say I buy a million dollar house and um, I want to put, um, you know, I want a loan for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and here's my income, here's all my collateral, and I and by the way, I want to pay it off in seven years. Or I want a seven-year balloon because I'm going to be out of there. They might, they might give it to you. Okay, but they—they're just not going to do you do do a thirty-year fix. They're not going to hold anything that long in their portfolio. Okay, so they'll do that, but they might not do it for ten other guys in the same day. Correct, because you don't know what they're. A lot of banks putting stuff in their portfolio is they want it to. Let's say I want to use another example. Let's say I have the same example, and I go in and I say I want a seven hundred thousand dollar loan. And um, I only want I want a one year balloon. Well, they're going to probably do that because then every year they get to raise their price accordingly. Okay, um, I have another question regarding banks. Maybe more of a giant question, but for a real long period of time, they paid people essentially nothing, right? And even if you went to the treasury and you got you know one percent overnight or something, uh, I don't think those guys even. You you could exist not even on having quote loans. You could just loan it to the treasury or another bank for one percent or point eight, and you could make money at that. Especially if you charge people fees and everything else. But now some of these banks are paying on CDs five and a quarter, five and a half. Where where are they making five and a quarter and five and a half without actually doing real loans? I mean, you, they can't just lay that off and make money. No, I don't. I'd like to 
you know, dig a little, little deeper into those banks that are offering that because I don't see, you know, that kind of, you know, return, you know, the money coming in at the other end uh, in enough numbers to make that something that they could do to, to their depositors. Or, well, or clearly, I mean, if you've got a credit card, you can do that. Or I guess right. if, if you do car loans, does anybody even do car loans in a bank anymore? Or you just get it from the I car? I don't think do? so. I don't think so. I would agree with John. I don't it's been years since I applied for a car loan, but, you know, I, I, that's all changed. I know it's my, uh, yes. my my person at Lakeside. I said, "Do you guys even do car loans?" She said, "Well, we would for you." I said, "It's not my question." She, she said, "No, we don't have a car loan guy or anything anymore." But if you want one, we'll give you one. Right, I would agree that that's pretty much the way it is, and I believe that when they give in these five percent rates, it's a it's a lost leader. I mean, they want people to come in; it has to be new money, and they're only going to do it for five or six months. But then they get this big stockpile of cash and then they can lend against it so that's how the intent I believe that's how the intent is and they hope people forget they got it there but yeah. it doesn't mean it's gonna that's going to pan out What's so what is the status of the mortgage industry right now Nancy I mean you hang in there because you know a million people but uh, uh, what's I mean is anybody buying I mean Audrey finally slowed down a little bit but even that a lot of her stuff were people cash buyers and selling one place and retired people and she has a few first-time buyers but uh it's not exactly vibrant is it no it is not it's not a pretty picture right now it's dry the well is dry so the glass is half empty right now so there and there's nothing you can really do about that i mean this is the cyclical nature of what it is that that goes on Nobody is really buying unless they have to, because who wants to leave what they have? I mean, if you think cash is tight now, wait until people really have to get out. It's like we could go through 2007, 2008, 2009 all over again, but we're not there yet. And it has a possibility of not going that way. Wouldn't you agree, John? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I'm afraid, you know, that. This is really different in my estimation from 2007, 2008. I don't think we we can use that for some kind of guidance here, um, but I just see things so much worse for people, you know, who, who necessarily didn't have to like go under 2007 or 2008 um, or just not be able to afford basic, you know, necessities. That's all changed. Um, uh, you've got a very different profile now of the harm that is going to flow from this. So I. I kind of hold my breath about it. Nancy, How do you feel about buying investment property right now, John? Because there seems to be some people starting to show some interest in just buying, you know, investment property. And I'm just saying, I, if you, I guess if you can stay in during a downturn, that's great. But I don't know. So I've, you know, I mean, in, in one sense, it makes um, it, it's it's a good idea if you look at where rents are going and are likely to continue to go. Um, there's a lot of money to be made if you want to buy rental property. Um, of course, everything else is more expensive now too. Upkeep on it, repairs, remodeling—all this stuff has just exploded. But, but, but it, it, there's money to be made in rents, such as you know didn't see 10, 20 years ago. So I guess that that would be an incentive if you've got money to throw around and, and you're good at this business. You know how to screen tenants. You know how to deal with the municipalities. You know how to keep on the, the good side of the aldermen or the city zoning department. Um, you could probably, you know, make a lot of money. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I just, 
the, the whole financing part of it is, is so different just in my lifetime. I was thinking, Tom, while you and Nancy were talking a minute ago, um, 40, 50 years ago, a lot of the office buildings downtown were owned by local banks. You know, mortgage-free, Continental Bank owned the TransUnion building just east of the, the Board of Trade. They owned it, you know, outright, no wow. mortgage on it. I think, I think when Sears built Sears Tower, I think they used one of their own financing wings for the construction loan. I don't think they even went, had to go up for outside financing. I could be wrong on that. I'd have to double check it. But but you had lenders with you know ownership of office buildings in their portfolio, and these were great investments. You know the, the, because the, the return was almost guaranteed. You know the vacancy rates were really low. Um, you know they, they could make a ton of money, and this was good for business. You know for their depositors. That that's I, I that faded after. You know, the, the Penn Square mess with Continental, they had to sell all that stuff to come up with some cash. So they, they had to give up, I think, all of their real estate holdings. They got caught they huge in, uh, in trucking, too. Yeah. And and yet, you know, it, it used to be that this, now everything is so spread around internationally that, you know, a, a belch in China is going to cause a burp here or vice versa. Uh, there were safeguards built into to a local financing pattern, especially in commercial real estate. Um, it's been gone out of you know, both residential and commercial for a long time now, but I think that the risks are greater because of this and, and the ability to withstand pressures that you have absolutely no control over are greatly reduced now. Um, you can't just sell one building and keep another one afloat. It's just not that simple anymore. They used to use the term on the trading floor, Nance, don't rack the boat, keep your hands in the boat. <laughs> and if... <laughs> I think, you know, if if you look at the situation that, well, the world is faced with that you just talked about, if if you've got, you know, Jim and Sally in this house that you put in a year ago at 2% or 3%, and all of a sudden they both keep their job, and we fast forward to 2026, and they've each gotten a 5% raise a year and inflation backs off a little bit, you're going to find them a little more likely to say, well, okay, we don't really want to pay and the rates come down to maybe six, six and a quarter, they may say, we've, we've banked enough, our house has gone up enough, uh, we'll go trade this one for the one with the one extra bedroom and one extra bathroom because we got two more little creatures running around. You're going to find them maybe willing to do that. As long as nobody gets laid off, there's no fiasco like 2007 where about 4 million people have to sell tomorrow and all of a sudden they're selling it at 25% less than they bought it for and they just lost their entire equity and as long as that doesn't happen I suspect we can crawl our way out of this but is any one of this other stuff the other thing I wanted to ask you is uh, I was stunned last week last week was like a, like a revelation week for me we started talking about these student loans I had no idea that 43 million people have a student loan and the average the average nut per month is 286 bucks where does that go on your when you calculate people? I mean, twenty six doesn't sound like a lot, Nance. But if their mortgage go up a grand, and then by the way, you have to start paying this two eighty six. This is all coming out of the same pocket. That pocket's got to look pretty threadbare at this point. That's correct. I mean, student loans get counted. Period. Even if they're on um, non repayment, they get counted. Okay. They get counted as one, you know, half a percent or one percent, depending on what the rule guideline is for that loan that they have. 
um, it's counted. Well, so, I, I'm all for people. Well, I don't know why, but just maybe it's just being me being more mature. I like the the idea of people work together or at work most of the time. But for somebody all of a sudden who didn't have to pay a student loan debt and had one or one of the bread makers at home saving on train fare and clothes and and uh, maybe even a, a child care person, they have to go back to work. Between that and paying your student loan debt, October is not going to look so hot for that family, is it? I agree with you. I agree with you, and that's that's the part of the unknown we just don't have an answer for anymore. I mean, is that why everyone's hold in a holding pattern, or is it because they're listening to the news, or because they're really feeling it, or because they're just saying, "Hey, maybe I'll get something for free if I don't pay my student loans." Well, I mean, I think for to be paying them back early, considering all the news that's going around, that thing that'd be somewhat foolish. If well, that's a, that's pretty much the attitude I have when I, you know, I discuss someone with their student loan debt. Is that why should I pay it back? They may forgive them all, so I'm not paying that debt. Well, you want to pay the minimum amount, so you're not, you're not. Correct, but most of them are on forbearance and um, people that are making money. I mean, these are people that are making money and saying, "Why should I pay that back?" Mike, I have a question. Everybody else is going to get forgiven. You might be the only person that can answer this because this is what you deal with. Uh, I know the Obama administration, I mean, I've been told by Kevin and other people, it was the people I knew that had debts from before that had some kind of combined thing, John, where part of it was the government at, say, 3%, part of it was private at, like, 6.5%, and everybody had, like, this blended sort of thing. Going forward, from some point during the Obama years, the government took over everything going forward, but aren't there still a lot of people that have the the, the two... Uh, the two-tiered ones, or do the government pay those people off and buy them from them? I don't. I think they must have taken them over some way or another, Tom. Because I don't think there's hardly, if if there is any private money in the student loans anymore. I, I agree with Kevin. This from what, what I kind of gleaned from this, and it's pretty hard to get a straight answer. I must I must say. Um, why why is it so hard? Yeah. Why is it so hard to get straight answers all the time, Nancy? These days, nobody wants to. Nobody wants to give you a straight answer. What's the deal? Just in general. I don't think I don't think anyone. I don't think a lot of people understand what they have. To be honest with you, I don't right. think they, I agree. they really understand it. They they say, yeah, I took you know I had this loan that they were going to forgive in like seven or eight years, and you know it's thirteen years later, and my husband died, so I'm not really sure. And then you check it out, and you know there's still money due on those things, and they're not going to sell the house without it. But people like even with the um, Obamas, you know, the Obama situation where they, you know, had everybody like the harp and, you know, all these different things. I don't think people really realize they have a third backup. You know, they could have as many as a third backup on their their home because they're only paying on the first their first. I don't think they realize there's something out there accumulating interest. John, would you agree with that? Yeah. You know, and from my own experience, I mean, I had a Stafford loan or Illinois Guaranteed Loan, as it was called then, um, through my parents' bank downtown, the Madison Bank, which is no longer in existence, but the, the money was fronted by Madison Bank. You know, they did the credit review of it. Uh, the paperwork was handled through them. I made my payments to them, but it, but it was a, a guaranteed loan comparable to FHA or VA that if I were to default, Madison Bank would have been made whole by the state of Illinois. But it was private money, you know, until the default. And, you know, I paid the thing off and it, right according to schedule. It was all money that Madison Bank fronted and kept the interest on it. So um, 
there were vehicles like that. A lot of, I think probably most of the student loans at the time, you and I were in college time, were done that way, unless we had outright grant money somehow. But the numbers weren't very big. I mean, the tuition was only three no, grand. And, no, and this, this is, but you know, it, it was comparable to a car loan, maybe, or yeah. something else, or a big car loan by, by car loan standards at the time. But the point is that the, the local institutions participated in it and you know built relationships with their borrowers and made money in the process. I, I, I just don't, there's any kind of way that a, a bank today would want to make money on a student loan, or even if they wanted to get into that, that they could. I think they're completely shut out of it. Lance, how often do you run into somebody who's older and either has one or co-signed one for a nephew or son or niece that maybe got killed or, or something like that that still owes? Um. I'll tell you this, I've done some doctors and they are now in their 60s and they are in their last year of paying off their student loans. Well, God. Yeah, so I mean, it's not, and like, now let's face it, I mean, they could have paid them off, but like they said, it, it just took so long that now they're just, you know, they're, they're kind of like proud that they're going to retire and actually have their student loan paid off. I mean. Well, the people live upstairs for me, real nice couple. Uh, I've, known, I've known the lady forever. Hopefully I want to get her on the show. Uh, they were telling the guy who helps out around the house, he talks to everybody. Uh, he said, the people upstairs say they'll never, they'll never be able to afford a house because they both get student loans. I mean, that's kind of scary. Well, Tom, here's the problem. You know, when you get out of college today, I mean, when you get out of high school today, you have to say to yourself, do I want $200,000 in student loan debt or I want to buy a house? Okay. I... I don't know as, I mean, I don't know, I'm not in these people's shoes, but I'd have to say to myself, I don't want to come out with $200,000 worth of debt. I better find a different way to get through this process besides borrowing, 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 borrowing. I would agree. And my parents signed for it, you know, but there's no reality for these, these people to pay it off. No, there really isn't, especially if you have any, any God help you have any kind of a problem. Right. So, I mean, like, how, how why do... I don't understand as the parent why you let your kids do this when there's other things they could do. Maybe you don't go the first two years. I mean, the first two years you go to the community college and get your credits, or at least the first year. You know what I mean? Yeah, even it's the first year. some of this debt off. And no one thinks of that because then they wouldn't have... Um, I would agree. They wouldn't have the college experience and all that stuff. I mean, we could go on and on about that. Well, but, Nance, we got a dash. you got to give us a shameless plug. Oh, I am Nancy Longram with Mellow Funding. If you need me, my number is 708-341-9601. John, it's your turn. Yeah, well, John, give us a shameless, oh, shameless plug. plug. <laughs> <laughs> I defer to the pros here. Okay. Um, SP Futures yeah, down five. NASDAQ yeah, Futures down 13. Yeah, Tesla down $7. It's one thing that's moving here this morning. Uh, yeah, Tesla was getting whacked last week, but it's going to get down whacked again here this morning. Nance, thank you. Hope to see you this weekend. Uh, Jan, hope to see okay, you soon. I hope to meet Jan. So we'll yeah, well, tomorrow, tomorrow's the big, tomorrow's a funeral too. for Judge Tuman. I have to go to the funeral tomorrow. I mean, that's not going to be fun. But uh. Uh, anyway, back tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to ptisecurities.com. JetBlue Airways. It's not the only way to fly, but it should be. Visit JetBlue.com. Empower HR, your human resources partner. That's EmpowerHR.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. BDL Compliance Consulting. Visit BDLCC.com. 
Dax Research. Listen to David Andelman on Mondays and Thursdays and go to DACSResearch.net. Roller coaster, ups and downs, you know that.